Hello and welcome to Gloucester Vineyard Church's weekly podcast. We're creating a community that brings hope and joy to Gloucester and we're thrilled that you've downloaded this message. This week in our journey through Matthew's biography of Jesus' life, we're joined by a friend of ours, Lynn Burnhope, who helps us take a closer look at chapters 8, 9 and 10. Emily interviewed her live at our Sunday gathering on Zoom and asked her all sorts of questions about what it looks like when the Kingdom of God shows up in a city and encourages us to dream about how we can play our part in bringing the Kingdom of God here in Gloucester. So without further ado, here we go. Morning. So I just want to give a special welcome to Lynn. Um, This is our wonderful friend Lynn Burnhope um, and we'll be chatting this morning about the next bit of Matthew. Um, So everyone give Lynn a wave. Yay, you can say hi to everyone. And Lynn is a fantastic friend of ours. Um, We've known each other for about seven or eight years. And um, Daniel and I can honestly say that her, her wisdom, her kindness and her friendship has been invaluable to us over the years for sure. Um, She's a font of knowledge and she's currently working towards her PhD in theology so a little bit of a clever bean so um, it is really wonderful to have you here this morning. Thank you very much for joining. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself Lynn? Yeah well it's just really lovely lovely to be here so thanks for inviting me everyone. Um, Yeah I, I came to know Dan and Em as Emily said seven or eight years ago I think it was 2012 because I think we actually joined Aylesbury Vineyard at a similar time I think we actually kind of came along at, at a similar time and I think within a year we we'd become the senior pastors uh, before that we'd been involved in various churches since we were teenagers we met as teenagers through church um, we married young we've got four children and three grandchildren um, we both studied theology as part of our kind of leadership journey um, mostly from having questions about things that didn't add up for us in what we'd been taught or what we'd seen um, so that was kind of part of our journey um, yeah so we were pastors at the vineyard after Mick and Lynn who set up the church 16 years before that and we basically became leaders there because there were uh, people within the vineyard movement who were our friends um, and they kind of recommended us because they knew Mick and Lynn wanted to leave and then we kind of yeah that's how it came about. Uh, shout out to um, all of you who've come from Aylesbury Vineyard as well. So hi, Becca. I've seen you here this morning, and uh, it's yeah, it was it was just um, great times. But we retired last year from that, and now Steve's doing quite a lot of writing, and I'm studying and writing um, and missing people. So it's really nice to be here. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Thanks. So um, for those of you who don't know or aren't aware, um, we as a church have been going through the book of Math- uh, the biography of Jesus in the Bible. It's written by Matthew, so the book of Matthew in the Bible, um, this term from, from Christmas to Easter. Um, and we've covered seven chapters so far. Um, we've learned a bit about um, how this whole whole nation were waiting for someone to come, for some hope to come. We've been introduced to Jesus and we've been introduced to like 
his main thing, the kingdom of God, um, the kingdom of heaven. And we've explored some more of Jesus's teachings um, and the concept of God as our father, particularly last week. Um, and now we are at chapter eight. So um, if you caught up with the podcast this week, you'll know that today we're covering chapters eight to 10, so eight, nine and 10. So Lynn, would you be able to give us a bit of a brief overview of what we can read, what we can expect in these chapters. Yeah, sure. I love the way that you're studying the scriptures like this. I think it's much more normal for a sermon or, a, you know, a teaching in a church to be about just one of these stories. And, you know, you kind of tend to zoom in on one story and say, well, what does that mean for us today? But the great thing about studying it like this is that you actually stand back and you, you learn in a different way. And um, what I loved about this chapter eight, it was like a day in the life of Jesus, you know, kind of here, there, everywhere. Um, and there's quite a lot of these stories in the Gospel of Mark as well. And if you read the Gospel of Mark, even more so than what than in Matthew, the word suddenly um, is there all the time. And it's kind of like this happens and then this happens and then this happens. Um, and I, I love that because I've felt like in my life, um, I have had a pretty chaotic life. It's very different at the moment because of lockdown and and because I'm older, but you know, life sometimes is kind of here, this is happening, this is happening, this is happening, and how on earth do we keep on top of everything that's going on? So here we go, Jesus has done his teaching, as Emily said before, and now we get kind of like a zooming in on a day in the life of, um, so Jesus teaches, then he shows what he means by action, by doing action days, and you know, in his, um, in his healings and casting out demons, he's showing us how to do it. So he comes down from the mountain and then there's one interruption after another. Almost everything he does is because it actually faces him and interrupts mm -hmm. him. Um, so we've got, he heals a man with leprosy, he heals a centurion slave without even touching him, just says a word. Then he goes into Peter's house, touches uh, Peter's mum's hand again, so it's different. He touches her hand and the fever leaves. Um, then Jesus crosses over to the other side of the lake. He gets in a boat, and actually that's because he wants to get away from people. Um, he goes to sleep, but as he's asleep, the disciples are absolutely crazy because the waves are so high that they're coming over the boat and they think oh we've just come here to die they wake Jesus up and Jesus kind of comes around and says and, and he rebukes the wet the wind and the waves and immediately it's calm and he says to the disciples you know don't worry you know what where was your faith in all of that I wasn't going to let you die um, anyway, then they get to the other side of the lake and not one but two demon-possessed men come rushing out of the graveyard and these people are kind of so scary that no one ever wants to go with them, uh, go near them and Jesus um, basically casts the demons out of them. And again, in another, in the Mark's gospel, I think, and Luke as well, he um, he casts out these demons and he actually asks the demons who they are and the demons uh, say they're legion. So they actually name themselves, which is interesting. We'll think about that later. And he casts these demons into the pigs and the pigs run down the mountain and run into the sea. And the whole town comes to see Jesus. And you would think that this whole town would be saying, wow, you're amazing, you know, do some more. But they don't say that. They, they begged him to leave. Um, they actually couldn't bear um, to be kind of seeing and witnessing all this stuff. 
Um, anyway, Jesus gets back in the boat and when he gets um, to the other side of town, he finds uh, himself in this big crowd where he's teaching again and a paralyzed man is brought to him lying on a mat. And in this healing, Jesus brings in the idea of uh, forgiving sins. So he says, your sins have been forgiven. And then that makes the Pharisees really cross. And they say, well, only God can forgive sins. So um, then chapter nine, that was all chapter eight, all in a day's work. Yeah. I, know, stop. <laughs> I, I really appreciate you saying a day in the life of Jesus. Like, yeah. <laughs> just go, bam, bam, bam. Anyway, carry on, chapter nine. Yeah, yeah. So more stories of people being set free. He calls Matthew, who's a tax collector, and that causes controversy because people don't like tax collectors because they rip people off. So here we've got someone kind of being chosen who's probably not on the right side of who's nice and who's not. Um, and people say to him, why are you and your disciples fasting, uh, feasting and not fasting like John the Baptist and his disciples? So Jesus basically says, well, you know, I'm the bridegroom and when the bridegroom is here, you don't fast, you feast. So he kind of gives these nuggets of things um, in the midst of things that are happening. He talks then about not putting new wine into old wineskins. And while all this conversation is going on, this woman touches his cloak and this woman's had bleeding for 12 years and she just knew that if she could touch his cloak, um, she'd be healed. And again, this is a different kind of example because Jesus isn't even aware of it. Uh, but he then becomes aware of it because he's aware that power goes from him and that she's healed. So he turns around and talks to her. Then he goes and raises um, a young girl from the dead who had died. Um, and then he heals a mute man with a demon who's able to talk. So all kinds of healings, absolutely, you know, different methods. There's no method in his madness, literally. Um, and then it explains how he goes around the villages and towns. So he's, you know, this itinerant person who you just have to follow and watch and be amazed. Um, and it says that he teaches in their synagogues, preaches the good news of the kingdom and heals every disease and sickness and then at the end of chapter nine he gives a very specific instruction and he, he gives the disciples authority to drive out impure spirits and heal every disease and sickness um, and then it becomes different so you've got those two chapters chapters eight and nine where we watch Jesus doing all these things going from place to place things happening Jesus responding Jesus reacting um, and I would I would say almost in all of them, it is Jesus responding and reacting rather than actually being intentional or even knowing what's going to happen next, which is quite mm. interesting because that's certainly the story of my life. It's like, <laughs> oh no, what's happening next? Never foresaw that one. Um, so then Jesus um, in chapter 10 kind of turns it around and starts saying to his disciples, okay, now it's your turn. So you've heard my teaching, you've seen me in action, and now I want to send you out and actually see you in action. And he gives them instructions as well as telling them mm -hmm. that they've got authority over impure spirits and to heal disease and sickness. He tells them only to go to the Jews, which is interesting. So he's starting with the Jews and he says to them, as you've received, so you have to freely give. So 
this is the next bit of the journey, guys. You know, if you're a follower of Jesus, you listen to his teaching, you're, you, you're the recipient of his blessing, mm -hmm. and then you actually turn around and become the ones that go out. He says, don't take stuff with you. Um, look for the people who are for you and stay with them. Uh, let your peace be contagious. Um, if you don't like, if they don't like you, then don't get angst. You just brush off the dust from your feet. Um, and he says to them, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. So you've got to be wise. You've got to be innocent. And you've got to share your peace. He says, wise as serpents, innocent as doves, and then go and share your peace. Mm. Um, he says they might be persecuted, but they mustn't let this mustn't let this put them off um, because he says if you are arrested and you are um, put in front of a trial uh, don't worry you will know what to say God will help you he'll be there with you and then he, he tells that lovely a little, just in a very small bit in this gospel he talks about God knowing and loving even every sparrow who falls to the ground and how much more if God loves sparrows does he love um, humans and so much so that he knows how many hairs are on everyone's heads and um, he says you know don't fear people who perhaps um, are these people who might not like you they might not like what you're doing they might persecute you in some way but remember that we're actually representing the God who cares so much about everybody that he knows how many hairs there are on their heads and I think actually you could see that in the way that Jesus was responding to people because you know he was responding to everyone um yeah I think that was it thank you I'm like round of applause for Lynn for whistle-scoring <laughs> us through chapters eight nine and ten because that was quite a roller coaster of a few chapters um I think, um, yeah, there's so much to look at, so much to unpack. And I think that actually um, reading a few chapters at a time is really helpful, like you say, to kind of to view things differently, to view mm -hmm. Jesus and understand God and Jesus from a slightly broader perspective. Because we look at chapter eight and, you, you know, there's all of that action going on. Mm -hmm. um, and then you read kind of chapters nine and ten about a bit more teaching and then sending out mm -hmm. and it kind of just puts things into context of like you say i've i've shown you i've taught you go for it yeah yeah um and so i just was thinking about chapter eight and all of those things got like you say jesus responding to what was in front of him and um there's a lot of miracles a lot of physical healings that were mentioned and um I just wondered whether you could help us kind of unpack the facts a little bit, like what's what's behind all of those stories. Like Jesus is is responding to what's in front of him and healing a lot of people's bodies. But I just wondered if there's um, what that kind of tells us about Jesus, what that tells us about the kingdom of God, um, kind of like what's underneath all of the like, is it just a physical healing surface level or actually what what encompasses that or what does it tell us about Jesus and the kingdom of God? Yeah, um, I think you kind of need to know a little bit about the the sort of culture of, of first century Judaism and, and what that was like. Um, mm -hmm. And also a bit from the Old Testament about how people were included or excluded from society. Okay. And I think actually... Um, the healings in themselves were important and obviously they showed that 
Jesus kind of through the spirit had power over anything really you know whether it was the wind or the waves or the or the the, the diseases in people's bodies or the demons um but also there was far more to it like you say far more behind it and I think it's important for us to understand that particularly as you know in a world of covid where you know yourself Emily you you probably find that you're more involved with kind of healing in 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 the way of injecting people with the vaccine rather than necessarily you know praying for everyone you're not allowed to touch them for a start so I think you know we have to think in terms of is there a deeper meaning to what um, the theology of this book is is actually teaching us about the kingdom of God hmm. so yes I think that um, some people would come and and take the verses totally literally um, and on one level we can do that because we should always pray and we should always expect um, God to hear our prayer and answer our prayer and it that you know that idea of us having authority over over everything is important um, and I think that there are th some things that we can learn one is that Jesus said the kingdom of God is here it's near it's kind of here but it's in the future as well but it's inside of us and it's outside of us and when we operate within the kingdom of God we're representing the king um, and so that's important for us to remember so we've kind of got the authority of the king but in terms of how that works out with how we interact with people I think when we see Jesus say touching the leper um, he is going against the um, the grain of what's expected they they he would expect have been expected to have become contaminated by touching um the person with leprosy um, whereas jesus crosses that boundary and by touching the man with leprosy he's actually including him into god's throne room i mean jesus you know is the place of mercy we know that looking back um Obviously, they didn't know that. The disciples didn't know that. But from us looking back at now who we know Jesus is, you know, he is acting as the kind of the gatekeeper to who's allowed before God and who's allowed into the temple and who is holy before God. You know, leprosy um, excluded you. And most of these things, so the woman with the issue of blood, you know, um, so women with periods weren't clean um, yeah. in Old Testament times. So all of these things, Jesus is kind of um, literally touching and coming um, close to people who, um, in theory, shouldn't be involved and included in the kingdom of God. So whether we see them being healed or not, the first thing that happens is they are welcome in God's throne room. And I think that's really important for us, isn't it, in, in terms of how we view healing, because being accepted and... Um, included as being a whole person um is really important for people you know everybody represents someone precious who is made in the image of god and i think mm -hmm. jesus shows us that that's part of his worldview when he does what he does so whether it's a gentile who's outside of the kingdom or whether it's someone who has a sickness which makes them outside of the kingdom, or whether it's a child who's dead, <laughs> obviously she's outside of the kingdom. So in all of these things, these people were outside of the kingdom, and mm -hmm. the first thing Jesus does is welcomes them in. Yeah. So in a sense, what happens in their body is almost secondary, because the first thing he does is 
pulls them into the kingdom of God. And I think that for us is important. And I think so. I'm I'm a mum of some of a child who has a disability, and I know that sort of over the years, um, one of the things that I've struggled with is this kind of I suppose fundamentalist idea that all sickness and all disability um, is kind of equal in the eyes of God, and that it's our responsibility to pray that everyone becomes this kind of perfect person um, but I don't think the Bible says that I, I think that you know certainly in today's world um, it's really important that we see people as um, people made in the image of God um, and yet we're always prepared and ready to pray for people who have a need before God in whatever they in whatever way they want do you do you, does that make sense yeah no absolutely I think if that Reminds me of um, when uh, Jesus asks the blind man, what do you want? Is that, yeah. that dignity of like, well, obviously the answer would be not to be blind. Um, yeah. But actually, you know, that that may not be the thing. And so actually giving them the dignity of giving people dignity of being like, actually th coming to Jesus with whatever it is that they need that may not be what we immediately assume. Is that kind of what yeah. you yeah, also, I think the unreality of things as well, you know, mm. um, I mean, it's important that we, that, you know, when Jesus did pray, it did happen. And so there wasn't that kind of whole thing of, um, you know, if I go beyond what I'm comfortable with and what I really um, feel that God is is asking me to do in a in a fundamentalist kind of way, a bit like, you know, wearing a billboard on the street and, you know, being ext an extremist, I suppose, then, you know, I can do harm to the kingdom of God. So, you know, if you, go, if you go around Emily as a nurse and, you know, knock on people's doors and say, you know, I'm a nurse and I, you know, I, I, I inject, you know, I give people the vaccine, but also, you know, God's told me that I'm going to come and pray for you to be healed from COVID and I'm going to come into your house and, and do you see what I mean? It's like some people do use the Bible in this way. And even if you look at maybe what's happening in around the world, you know, you can see examples of how actually the Bible is used wrong to, um, to show people how to do things. So I hope that makes sense. I think the other thing um, that I that really struck me uh, when Jesus sends them out is he uses this phrase, um, you've freely you've received and so freely you must give and I think it's important that we act out of who we are and um you know that we're totally real and that we're totally um uh genuine um and that we don't go beyond ourselves in a way and that might be in all sorts of ways but I think you know that idea of of freely receiving and even the idea of Jesus saying to the disciples at first just go to the Jews um you know we our first responsibility is to look after each other in the church in our families um and to um to really know God's um to really know God's life in our life I guess um but that will never happen in a perfect way so I'm not one of these people who says who thinks that we should kind of go off and you know become the perfect person before you go out and minister because just like we were saying you know for Jesus the day in the life of Jesus things come to you and I think God does empower us um, even when we're not ready for it yeah. um, so there's that sense of yes 
um, on the one hand, um, we can only be who we are and we can only do what we can do. Um, but God will give us the strength that we need at times. Yeah. Great. So would you say that kind of so essentially when Jesus was going around this day in the life of Jesus, when Jesus was going around to everybody, um, the physical healings were one part of the whole picture weren't they they were they were a bigger story um of actually jesus bringing bringing restoration to people who were outcast or um it's almost like a more more holistic healing um where actually they like you say they were welcomed in um but actually going forward from there that idea that we are then called to do that but from a place of having received that i think yeah. Kind of, yeah. and and actually that we are called almost to two, to two things of called to live in a place of continual restoration with jesus where jesus comes and heals us holistically maybe yeah. physically maybe from a heart point of view all of that yeah. um, and then from that place of continual pushing towards jesus we can then go out and be Jesus to others and, and holistically include people into the kingdom of God and that sort of thing. Yeah. Is that, is that it's fair brilliantly put, Emily. Absolutely. Fair representation. Yeah, definitely. And so, and so what does that mean for us today? So we've, we've talked about that, but could you give us some examples? Um, so you were pastor of Aylesbury Vineyard um, for seven years um and in churches previous to that as well you were part of leadership teams and stuff um and i know that aylesbury has a big compassion ministry so they do a lot of outreach and a lot of work within um the community and i just wondered if you could give us a few examples of jesus day in the life of jesus but jesus living in us so a day in the life of lynn <laughs> so to speak uh, can you give us some examples of what um that uh bringing the kingdom of god has looked like in your experience I suppose. yeah yeah well there's different levels isn't there and i think for, for for me um it's really important that i'm accountable in what i do um so we uh you know so there's kind of the people i meet every day in interaction but then there's also the more intentional kind of what's the plan because together we can do far more for the kingdom than you can on your own and that's the whole one of the whole points of church that we can be part of god's mission in the world um so yeah i think part there were some things that uh were started while whilst we were there so when we joined we had a sm very small storehouse ministry which gave out furniture and um food and clothing and um we kind of grew that and it, it it started from something very small and one of the things that i felt quite early on was that rather than just give out sort of bags of of, of cans which is great for people who who need that um that it'd be lovely to be able to sit down with people and have a meal with them and um have a more kind of connected way of being involved in people's lives and sharing jesus um, so we started a, a, a baked lunch club, which was um, all about holiday hunger. And we, uh, a number of us did that. And it was basically as the leader of the church, I was always looking for people within the church who had that kind of vision and passion to um, take the bulk of that ministry. Because as as leaders, kind of senior pastors, you can't 
um, lead everything that happens. It's like that whole thing of leading through leaders. Mm. So after about a year of, of it being really on my heart, um, somebody um, in the church, Mim, I think some of you know Mim, came along and she um, had this passion. She'd uh, seen the Make Lunch people and God had spoken to her. And so from that kind of her calling, really, we, we did it. And I remember the first day, we cooked for 80 people and uh, we just kind of waited and waited. We'd been into all the schools and told them about it. We knew the need was there. Um, and one mum came with one little boy. And um, that's kind of how things start, you know. But um, And then obviously you test and if the need is there and if you have heard right, then, then it will actually come to fruition. And we, you know, we served probably thousands of meals over the time and it's kind of gone to a lull now because obviously that's not possible with covid but what has developed is that the church now is literally feeding thousands of people in aylesbury and the whole building is given over to that ministry so i think you know god will show where the need is and you need to kind of be be able to uh, step out in faith um start with a small uh, be persistent and all those kind of things are really really important and then there was another one which um so becca who's who's here uh came as an intern with the church and when we were kind of talking and praying we both felt that we should kind of explore the idea of maybe being involved um with a, a, some kind of ministry to people who'd been abused and so we went off on, a, on an adventure and we went to um, speak with Maggie Ellis in Chichester, who has a really great charity. Um, and we talked, we went to conferences, we prayed. Um, and as a result of that, Becca started um, an amazing ministry uh, with a, a group called Sosa at the time. And, you know, I think over the years, um, when I look back, it has been about somebody with a passion um, within the church taking that on as something that they run with, um, mm -hmm. and, but within the kind of umbrella of the church. So I think that's been my experience. Um, and then there's the day-to-day -day stuff. Sorry. Oh, no, I was gonna say, I'm just curious. So um, with all of these things, feeding people sounds great, counselling people through abuse and that sort of thing and having support groups and stuff sound great. Um, could you unpack why that might be the kingdom of god as opposed to just really good social justice stuff yeah and then and obviously it's kind of part of the social it's, it's mm. social justice and it's um and and often it's working with agencies within the community as well yeah. who yeah. are christian and i think that's because you know i see that the gospel is good news for the whole world. Mm. Um, and I think that the responsibility of those of us who feel called is to bring the Jesus, uh, Jesus is Lord element with it. And I certainly um, anyone, I think you have a grow baby, don't you? Um, no. you okay. 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 <laughs> so um, basically a lady in Kingston Vineyard um, started uh, a group called Grow Baby, which just developed into this thing where so many people were blessed you know teenage mums within her community and um with blessed sorry blessed well with with kind of equipment so baby equipment maybe teaching education in how to look after the children help with their mental health so all kinds of things around um being young mums maybe often being single mums um 
so she um, put out this kind of has has made like a template for uh, different vineyards to be able to do this, um, and it looks different actually in every vineyard. Um, but one of the things that she says is that always offer prayer, and actually Storehouse had that same principle mm. that whenever people came to us, there would be an opportunity for us to say, you know, is there things that we can pray about in your life? Um, and not as something which is a pressure or is forced or, you know, is weird, but actually just always to bear in mind that whatever we're offering, we're offering it because of Jesus. Mm. Um, and, and to be sensitive as well, because sometimes you feel actually if I did that, it would be wrong. And, you know, I, I think, but but for us who are doing it, that is the the thing, because I do believe that that prayer, you know, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven is not just for the church. Mm. I don't believe that we're meant to be this sort of small group of people who are blessed by God and manage to survive this world and all its trials. And then when it comes to an end, we're the ones that go to heaven. That's not my gospel. <laughs> um, I believe that Jesus came um, for everyone and, um, I'm not a universalist who says that everyone's going to go to heaven. So I don't know what heaven looked like anyway. And I know that, you know, I listened to your, your talk, Daniel, on, on heaven and hell. So, you know, I, that's not my concern because I don't know about that. I don't know what that future mm -hmm. is going to look like. But what I do know is that God's kingdom is here, but it's got to come way more than it is already. There's so much work to do. And I believe that that is the work of those who feel called, you know, yeah. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you, Lynn. And um, it's nice to put some kind of tangible stories on that bone of actually what the kingdom of God looked like and, um, you know, the relationships that you were building and um, introducing people to Jesus through doing, you know, things like the hunger gap, like meeting the hunger gap, actually through meeting people's needs. Yeah, uh, physically, there's yeah. a lot more that goes on under the surface, kind of like Jesus was demonstrating in yeah. chapter eight. You know, actually, um, if you meet people's needs, then suddenly they're in a place where they're able to even consider other things like spiritual decisions and whatever, you know, um, and kind of uh, things. So um, so just as we as our last kind of discussion thing, um, could you walk us through some questions that we might be asking ourselves of what this what bringing the kingdom of god what freely receiving and freely giving might yeah. look like for us in the 21st century in gloucester um during lockdown potentially but also going forward as well like what kind of questions should we be asking ourselves um how do we know if god is calling and prompting us to do something for his kingdom yeah um there's one thing i probably i really wanted to say actually which i didn't which is relevant to the question um which is this whole thing about casting out demons because we see that a lot and this story in this passage we've read about jesus casting out this legion um there's so many scholars now who talk about that being about um the idea that legion is linked with the Roman Empire and it's about um, the Roman values of strength being about war and, you know, um, oppression and controlling people and all that kind of stuff. So this whole kind of idea of empire, um, which is contrary to Jesus' kingdom. And I think that 
for me, what I've come to think about exorcism is about actually breaking down the the idea of what is powerful in worldly terms and who has power in worldly terms and who is important you know who 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 are the the vulnerable and and the and the the cast aside and all of those people that the roman empire wouldn't have honored in the kingdom of god they're the ones that are honored and actually in doing that you are casting out the demon of empire um because you're actually yeah so you're actually coming against those powers and principalities that are there in the world all around us in different ways and by coming in with kingdom principles and values you know you are questioning them and you are actually um intentionally uh, bringing the power of god and exercising those demons so one of my questions would be how are we exercising the demons? <laughs> Thank you, Lynn, for bringing that question on a Sunday yeah. But essentially, how, where are we seeing oppression? Where are we seeing the vulnerable being um, potentially violated or misused? Yeah. Where are we seeing people who are bound up potentially, would you say, with things like anxiety and depression oh, from like an oppression an oppression point of view or yeah. um from a history of abuse i suppose that's that could be an equivalent that we might be able to see quite clearly today an oppression that would want to be liberated i suppose yeah absolutely what um what would you say um how do you know if god is speaking to you about potentially stepping up stepping into a place of need within the community what what kind of things would i be looking for and what answers would i be seeking if i'm testing to see if god wants me to do something well i would say that's what you work out within your community here you know that's you're accountable um Jesus sent people out in twos. Um, you know, you can bring an idea before people and they might think you're totally wacky. And very often people do. So then you've got to be grown up and carry it and think about, you know, be wise, pray about it yourself. Find people with, you know, um, similar dreams and um, similar burdens, but always start with prayer. Sometimes, you, we, you know, we, we had a thing actually in, in Aylesbury where I wanted to start a preschool and um, we prayed, there was groups of us over, over the years that I was there where it almost happened and then it didn't. And, you know, I think sometimes things get caught with, caught up with the spirit and the people that are available at the time. And I think, you know, we bring things before God and we bring things before each other. Yeah, absolutely. Could I, could I also add that there's... um. Uh, if we're to follow Jesus' example as well, um, you very eloquently said at the beginning that Jesus was just doing his life and stuff came up yeah. and came yeah. face to face with things. Yeah. And instead of going, oh, no, but I'm on my way to yeah. place, he went, okay, yeah. well, this is what... This is what's in front of me. Yeah. Would yeah. you say that that's something that we can... What What would that look like now, kind of? Can you give well, us examples? Yeah, I mean, COVID is the example, isn't it? There's things yeah. we can't do because because we've been interrupted. You know, we were on the way somewhere and now we're, you know, we have this in our face. And actually, I mean, there, there are so many unseen people in, in our towns. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I watched a, a, I just watched this thing on uh, a prayer morning 
that a guy was sharing about how he'd stopped on the way to work um, because it was snowing and someone had got stuck in the snow. And he said to the guy, don't worry, I'll just flag down a couple more people and then we'll have you out in no time. And the person who was stuck said, oh, you know, no one's going to stop. So he, this, this guy was flagging down people and, and saying, you know, come on, help push this out in his mind, of course. Um, and no one stopped. And he said, you know, the saddest thing was that the guy knew no one was going to stop. And the end of the story actually was that he was able to help the guy because he, he didn't have his phone. So he was able to get him roadside assistance. Um, so, you know, he was right to, to, to obey that prompt of the spirit to stop, even although it might have meant he'd been late for work. Um, but the thing is, there are so many situations, I think, uh, with the people around us where people um, are stuck. I mean, I've, I've personally come across two uh, people who I've known uh, for a while, one not very well and one very well, um, who actually just needed some help this week with phoning up people to know where to get help from. Um, and so it's that kind of like having our eyes and ears open. Mm -hmm. And it's and, and there's never a time where God is not doing anything. You know, we think, um, you know, old COVID, everything, obviously you doctors don't. And, you know, gosh, I'm so grateful for everything that you're doing. Um, all you key workers and nurses and everyone who, who's involved in that. Um, but, you know, for us um, who aren't in those situations, there's never a time when when people don't need something and it, we need to have our eyes and ears open. Great. Thank you. Um, Lynn, before we move on to worship, will you just um, pray with us as a community? Will you pray for us um, that, yeah, we'd have open eyes and ears and a willingness to be interrupted? I suppose. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Mm. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your spirit who gives us life and empowers us to be the people that you want us to be. Lord, I thank you that Jesus gave authority over sin, sickness, evil spirits, um, evil sinful structures like racism and sexism and ableism and poverty, uh, which come to oppress people. And um, Lord, thank you that he even showed that he had power over the weather and the natural elements. Um, and Lord, that he showed that none of these things can be an impediment to your kingdom. And so, Lord, I pray uh, for Gloucester Vineyard, uh, everyone who's involved. I pray for all the people here. I pray, Lord, that they would follow their dreams for your kingdom. And I pray, Lord, that, that you would give them new ones. I pray, Lord, that they would know how to respond and react and interact with all the people and all the things that come at them every day. Um, pray specifically for um, things that maybe haven't started yet. But Lord, even the things that have, I pray for the vibes uh, and all the things, Lord, that you have on your heart that you want them to do and be to be part of the kingdom of God. And I just feel God wants to say to you, um, follow your dream for his kingdom and who can stand against you. Thank you, Lord. OK, that's all for this week. I hope that blessed you and you found that helpful. If you enjoy this message, please share it with a friend. And if you'd like to join in with what we're doing here at Gloucester, you can join us at one of our Sunday gatherings online. All the details you need are on our website, gloucestervineyard.org. Mm -hmm.